powered by Riverside FM. You're listening to the 2400 Block Podcast with Johnny Rubes. Hey everyone, it's Johnny Rubes. Welcome to another episode of the 2400 Block Podcast. Glad you guys decided to drop in because we are going to have a great episode on hand. Now this topic will center on body imaging issues such as eating disorders, body shaming, bullying, and so forth. Now I have a special guest here that is going to provide insight on all of these. In addition, she is a body image advocate for Northwestern University. And I cannot leave this part out because she is so awesome at this. She is a skilled division one fencer and has appeared on an issue of American Fencing Magazine. Now let's give you a round of applause for Megumi Oishi over there in Portland, Oregon. Hopefully I pronounced that correct. Thanks for putting in the effort on joining me here this morning. And I know we are like two hours apart, but hey, we're making it work. So yeah, welcome to the show, uh, Megumi. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. All right. All right. Now, before we get onto the topic of body body imaging issues here, uh, tell the viewers and listeners briefly about yourself. Yeah. So uh, my name is Megumi and I am from Portland, Oregon. Um, I am Japanese American and I am currently going into my sophomore year at Northwestern University as a division one student athlete and I'm a career defensor on their team and I absolutely love it there and fencing is a huge part of my life. Oh, that is so awesome. Okay. Here's another set of questions I want to ask you or got them right here down the list. And, um, what was it like growing up as a uh, Japanese American kid? Um, I would say in the Pacific Northwest, um, you know, there's not a lot of us. So um, it definitely felt pretty unique. Mm-hmm. I was sent to Japanese school every Saturday um, up until I think around the end of middle school. And so that kind of separated me a little bit from my peers huh. and that I couldn't attend birthday parties. I didn't really go to like play dates on Saturdays. Um, and you know, ultimately it all paid off because I can still speak Japanese pretty fluently. Um, and I can communicate with my parents. Oh, that is so awesome. So after that, you were able to revert back to, uh, your lifestyle and, you know, pretty much go back to what you miss, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so like immediately after I was freed from Japanese school, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go back and, <laughs> and, you know, have all the experiences that I that I missed. But again, like I said, I do not regret it at all. Um, and, you know, I can finally thank my parents for it because it paid off so well. Oh, wow. That is awesome. And and when was it that you uh, ended that schooling? Is that during your um, middle school years? Yeah. So I think right after or during my um, freshman year of high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Now, was there a, a time in your life that you encountered uh, like racial epithets as well as being stereotyped because of your ethnicity? Um, you know, thank goodness, no. Um, but I think one of the things that is super irking is mm-hmm. when somebody hears that I'm Japanese American and the first question they ask after is, where's the best sushi restaurant in town? Like, I'm not Google Maps. Like, You can search <laughs> that up on your own. Um but yeah, so thank goodness, no um, racial stereotyping, nothing. Um, so yeah, I've been very thankful for that. Oh, that's good. All right, have you uh, have you ever traveled to your motherland, that is Japan? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I have, you know, separate from the COVID years, I've been able to travel there every summer. So oh, nice. I get to see, well, all my, <clears throat> all my family's over there. So I go and see my grandma, I see my dad's side of the family. It's, it's wonderful. Oh, great. 
Yeah. As, as for me, I was actually um, I was actually born in Japan in Yokosuka because my dad was in the Navy back then, many many years oh, ago. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah, and the Japanese were like the first uh, you know community that I've been introduced to, so I still have some a little bit of some mm. memories. Oh, awesome! Can you speak any Japanese? Uh no. Except you know, <laughs> except mimicking it sometimes. You know, when I say konnichiwa, I don't even know I said it right, but hey, I tried, right? Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and and um, I think I'll, I'll just say this for the record. You know, back in high school, I fell in love with the foreign exchange student, and that was like way back in I think the month of May. I, th- I think I saw her at the prom, and you know, we talked a bit, and after that, we just like mm-hmm. fell in love. But the thing was, it was poor timing. She had to go back to Japan, and I had to go on with my life. No, yeah, that's horrible. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's where the, oh, that's, that's my first kiss right there. So yeah. So, That's if, so, cute. <laughs> so Mickey, if you're watching in Japan, if you're seeing me now, this is me uh, talking to a, a fellow, uh, you know, one of your counterparts here, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, just just had to let that out. And, and we met like a year later, but our feelings were never the same. So, yeah, life oh, goes no. on. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> there you go. I'll let my life out just like that right here in uh, the podcast. <laughs> Now, now going back to the task at hand here, were you able to learn more about your roots and culture while you were there every every time? Yeah, for sure. Um, what's super cool is I talk about with, um, this with my mom all the time, but I think being an American, but also being Japanese, I have hmm. the fascination of a foreigner, but I also have the understanding of somebody who is Japanese. Um, so what I mean by that is that there's certain things that I understand and, you know, and kind of like, I I know how to make my way around Japan, but there's also some things, some random things that I think are just so cool and so unique that my parents just kind of blow past because they're Japanese and they're so used to it. Uh Um, I want to say things like, um, like Japanese TV or things like that. I'm like oh, you know, these shows are super cool. My parents are like, uh, well, those are commercials that are on, like, all the time. And I'm like, oh, my God, no, the commercials are so cool. I <laughs> love them. Um, but, yeah, definitely. Um, I have had the chance to visit a lot of, um, you know, ancient architecture and um, a lot of just, like, shrines and temples and things like that. And that, I feel like, brings me back a lot closer to my um, motherland and, and just my, my culture. You ever trace back your ancestors and you're like, wow, my my great, great, great grandfather was a badass warrior. No? That would be really cool. Actually, um, what's really cool is we can almost tell for certain mm-hmm. that my family was from um, descended from samurais. I'm pretty sure, um, which is from the last name Oishi uh-huh. right after the whole like. Um, the samurais had their swords taken away and things like that. Um, the Japanese were allowed to pick their last names. Uh-huh. And Oishi in Japanese means big rock. Big rock. So from what we can tell, it's a pretty, you know, like random last name, right? Uh-huh. Um, and that was because when the Japanese were allowed to pick their last names, um, they just looked outside in their yard and they were like, oh, well, big rock. That's our last name now. Or, you know, they'd be like, oh, we live on a hill. So that's our last name now. So that's kind of the fascinating history behind um, how Japanese last names were picked. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
All right, by the way, a special shout out to one of my Japanese friends, Julie Nakagawa. Thank you for watching. Yes, I'm talking to one of your counterparts. <laughs> so that's, that's cool. So I'm glad you're, you're either listening or watching this. She's been uh, following me lately, so, and she's been one of my, awesome. my good friends. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> um, were you, oh, I already answered that one. Of all the universities nationwide that you had to choose from, you went with Northwestern University. What made them the right choice for you personally? Yeah, so um, I was initially getting recruited by Division One schools, mm. and I was looking at all of them and, you know, all of them are just excellent programs, excellent schools. Uh -huh. And so it was really hard to hard to choose a school. But I think what made Northwestern stand out was how welcoming they all were, just the team, everything, the coaches, the school itself, honestly. Um, that's what made Northwestern really stand out for me. And I think one of the best things about Northwestern being there right now that I understand is that they make research available for everyone. Um, I'm not sure if this is with all private institutions, but for Northwestern, from what I can tell, they're extremely good at extending opportunities for research and public or, um, you know, just kind of like going out into Chicago and mm -hmm. studying and things like that. They make everything very accessible. And I think as a 19-year-old's, going into college and being like, man, research probably isn't for me. I'm a student athlete. Like, I don't, I don't like any of that kind of stuff. You know, that's, I'll leave that to like the bio majors. Um, but you know, they're extremely helpful and they have the funds available and, um, you know, they're just always there to help, which I think is one of the things that I didn't quite realize about Northwestern, but, um, before I went in, but now that I'm there, I definitely appreciate a lot. Oh, that's cool. And, um, yeah. What's what's what other schools uh, were were competing with it with that, with with you choosing? Um, yeah, I don't know if I can disclose that necessarily, <laughs> oh, okay. but um, yeah, just like Division One <clears throat> top level colleges, mm -hmm. and I will say I had a very hard time choosing because they were all such good fencing programs, and they offered um, the courses that I really wanted, and yeah, so it was a very tough decision <laughs> for oh. me. Were, were any of them uh, nearest to Portland? No, they were not. No. Um, yeah, so I think Division One fencing colleges are mm -hmm. mostly, um, they're on like the East Coast, Midwest kind of situation. Um, the West Coast, I think, only has um, a few schools. Um, I want to name UCSD. Stanford, Air Force, those kinds of schools are on the West Coast, but I think mainly East Coast and Midwest. Oh, okay. That's wonderful. Yeah. I'm glad you chose Northwestern. I'm sure they're very yeah, proud me to, too, to have sure. you. Yeah, I, I love it so much. It's I definitely am very happy with my choice. Wonderful. And for those at Northwestern University, thank you for watching this show. I'm sure you already know her. So. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. <laughs> All right. Okay. Just a few more questions and we'll move on to that topic itself. What got you interested in fencing? So it was pretty random. I'm going to say um, uh -huh. my mom wanted to get me into sports all the time. And she was trying to get me into like camps, like um, softball, soccer, volleyball, things like that. And I was terrible at all of them. I had, I showed absolutely no sense for athletics um, athleticism, I just, 
I wasn't an athletic kid. And there was one point where my mom sat down and she was like, oh my God, my daughter's never going to be good at sports. She's hopeless. Um, And then kind of as a last resort, she was like, well, why don't we put you into fencing? See, see what you like. And I was like, okay, like I've seen it on TV. I've seen it on the Olympics. Let's just try it out. So Mm -hmm. I tried it out in a local, um, a local camp and I just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and I think the reason why I love it so much and, you know, have continued it for 10 years is because, um, I chose saber. There's three weapons in fencing, uh-huh. FA, foil and saber and saber is the fastest one. And it's the most aggressive and you got to like, you know, chase each other down the strip and things like that. And anyway, it's a very fast paced, um, mental game. And so that's what I think I've appreciated and loved about it all these 10 years. Um, and yeah, I just, I've absolutely adored it since. And since then, my mom has actually started fencing as well. Um, oh, fencing nice. is a very inclusive sport where um, I think people over 40 as well can mm-hmm. enter into their own um, veteran age groups. So my mom also fences as a veteran fencer. So it's it's really awesome being able to fence her as well. Did you ever, uh, were, were you each other's sparring partner? Yeah, yeah, actually. um, Back when I was in high school, we would, you know, go in on Saturdays and train together and things like that. There's also, um, you know, all age group, um, you know, uh, categories as well in regional tournaments. So we have fenced each other before in a um, tournament setting, which was definitely interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah, we were um, each other's sparring partners and we, we love training together. Oh, great. So, so how long did it, it took for you to fully master this sport? I'm sure you learned a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will say I was not that great at it for mm-hmm. the first, I want to say like four, five years. Um, I want to say that I had very little competitive fire, um, and I didn't have kind of what it took to be a good fencer. And I think in Sabre especially, you got to be – resilient you got to be um kind of aggressive very forward and i was not that kind of kid i was shy i was quiet and the thing about fencing um saber especially is that there's a lot of screaming Mm -hmm. um so if you've ever seen like a tennis match you know how they celebrate in fencing they do that as well and i didn't scream until maybe my fourth or fifth year in the sport and that's immediately when i found my fire and i think that's when i started to want to be like okay i want to win and i want to you know be strategic and things like that and so until i found that competitive fire i definitely was not anywhere close to being um you know good at it or you know i was just enjoying it which i guess is all right too but um yeah now now i'm screaming i'm i'm having fun and i'm very competitive, so definitely have evolved a lot from when I started. You have any uh, like aspirations, like probably trying to make it to the Olympics? Actually, um, yeah. So my biggest goal was to be recruited to college, uh-huh. and being able to do that, I was like, okay, that that's great, that's wonderful. So I think Olympic dreams. You know, I I'm not really sure. I'm not going to completely discount that because. You never know. But um, yeah, so my biggest goal was to get into college. And I'm just, me and my family are just very happy that I was able to accomplish that. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, I mean, that would be cool. Like one day I'll be like, yeah. like, wow, I, I interviewed uh, Megumi before she won her medal. 
Stop. So. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so this will be like one for the books. And speaking uh, of fencing, I think the yeah. last time I actually saw some fencing on TV was watching the the Wednesday series on Netflix when she was doing the fencing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a. That's a. Um, all the fencers are very like. <laughs> it's. It's a. I want to say it's cool, mm-hmm. and it was very well choreographed in terms of, um, you know screen combat and things like that but in terms of is it accurate fencing wise not completely there's actually a show um i want to say it's called 2521 um it's a korean k-drama show and it has a lot of fencing Uh like action in that and that is actually a really accurate portrayal of saber fencing and so a lot of saber fencers will be like yeah like 2521 you know that's kind of how fencing is um very well portrayed in, in modern media but yeah, yeah, Wednesday had it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll definitely look into that show, the one you were just talking about yeah, there. Yes. All right. Very good stuff. Um, final question, which will lead to today's topic. What led you to helping others when it comes to these um, body imaging issues regarding athletes? Were you were you a victim yourself at this? Um, yeah, so I faced it mainly from, um, well, actually it was, it was um, two different things because I faced it from the sport and also from my non-athlete peers. So within the sport, you know, I had mentors being like, um, you know, saying things about like what I was wearing, things like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, my fellow athletes being like, oh, Megumi, your arms are so big. You look like a guy. Or, you know, they'd say, say things about my face as well. Um, sorry about that. No problem. Um, and there'd be things about, you know, like my acne and whatnot. So... Sorry, one second. It's okay. So, yeah, um, there was a lot about that as well. Um, But I think from my school peers, there was a lot about, you know, I was trying to wear the same clothes as they did. So, like, mini skirts and tank tops and things like that. But I just looked really, like, manly and, like, kind of like a guy. And they'd point it out because, you know, I had um, a lot of muscle mass. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think what kind of led me to helping others was realizing that a lot more people experienced it. And I learned that through, you know, watching celebrity interviews, um, you know, or, you know, just hearing about girls just casually being like, yeah, I experienced that too, or even guys. So um, just hearing a lot from the athlete community that mm-hmm. it, it's a wider spread issue was what led me ultimately to believe that it is, you know, a much larger issue than just me facing these issues. So I was like, I got to do something about this. Okay. All right. So um, moving on here, I know this is hit news a few weeks ago or a few days ago, you know, former Northwestern University player accused former coach Pat Fitzgerald and the school Tuesday of tolerating hazing, alleging rituals involving a naked human car wash and a punishment called Shrek claps in the first lawsuit filed since the scandal rocked the Big Ten University. And this was by NBC News, who posted this one. Your thoughts. Yeah, so I don't, yeah, I don't think I'm going to put my thoughts out there on that one. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say that, um, yeah, I think, yeah, those kinds of things are um, what will start to be a lot more um, publicized Mm -hmm. in, um, you know, just media. 
um, because I want to say that um, there's a lot more awareness, thank goodness, of um, things like that happening. And so, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of opportunities for people to now speak out and, um, you know, talk about the injustices that have happened to them. Um, and I think just in general in the athletics world of athletics, um, you know, modern perception and reception of that kind of thing has opened up a lot of opportunities for people to be able to speak out and get justice for themselves. Well said. Couldn't come anywhere than that. All right. Well, Megumi, I shall now give you the open floor to speak on this podcast regarding body imaging issues and why it's so important for the viewers and listeners to know and to provide as much pertinent information and insight to your knowledge. So take it away. Absolutely. So um, let's see. I have been doing my um, body image research work for about, I want to say it's 2023, so it's about three years now. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, the reason why I started it was because I um, experienced it and I witnessed it happening. And I was like, this is an issue that we really should um, you know, think and talk about. And so I started my organization, The Athlete Narrative, in December of 2020. And I've been researching kind of um, about body image within athletics and things like that ever since. And, um, you know, right when I started TAN, there was a lot of Um, you know, athletes reaching out to me saying, wow, this is really important stuff that you're doing. You know, we haven't really seen anybody else, um, you know, discuss this kind of topic. This is really cool that you're doing this. And I think, you know, as I moved forward with my research and, you know, things like that, it just started out with Google searches Mm -hmm. and it was Google searching, you know, what athletes have experienced this, um, why is it happening? And there wasn't a lot that was turning up. And it was only until, you know, only when I got to Northwestern that I fully started to realize the potential for, um, you know, kind of these research opportunities Mm -hmm. and um, trying to find the right literary sources. So as soon as I got to Northwestern, I was able to open up a lot of um, new resources about um, what to read. And so I started to read into um, a lot of research about, um, you know, both male and female, um, you know, athletes experiencing body image issues, things like that. And ever since then, I have been openly reaching out to a lot of podcasts and, you know, opportunities to present and things like that, really starting from small, um, you know, places and communities that I can kind of expand the word about this, because I think the biggest issue is that it's not really talked about. So it starts to show up in, um, you know, daily life and just like really small conversations, things like that. I'm thinking of like, you know, for example, you're watching sports on TV with your parents and your parents are saying like, oh man, you know, they're so big and, you know, they really shouldn't be doing the sport. If they were skinnier, they could do maybe do it better. You know, just even little things like that, I think are stemmed, stemming from really um, just, a lot of ignorance about the issue and mm-hmm. really the toll that it can take on athletes and just people in general. Um, so again, I'm just trying to spread the word right now um, as with little steps as I can possibly um, and just reach out to a lot of people about it. Wow. That, I know it must really take a toll on them uh, mentally, especially, you know, it takes, it takes away their confidence level when they're being distracted 
to doing something that they love. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, it really robs um, athletes of the fun and the, I think, the pride that they can take in their sport. Um, mm -hmm. It really does take away from that. So that's why it can be very detrimental. Okay. So tell us a, a little bit about uh, the athlete athlete narrative blogs that you uh, that you do. Yeah. So um, again, I started that in I want to say like my junior year of high school, um, mm -hmm. and it started out very small, and it is still very small. And um, I think you know my the social media following for athlete narrative is very small. It's about like. 50 or so people. Um, but again, with those resources that I've been able to gain from going to Northwestern and, you know, reaching out to a lot of people for help on research and things like that, I've been able to um, kind of expand my knowledge on that. Mm -hmm. And again, it's been a really good way of um, reaching out to and connecting with a lot of athletes um, that otherwise have not really heard about this topic being talked about by anybody else. So that's kind of why I love, you know, the athlete narrative and, and continuing my work. Um, but yeah, so I'm hoping as I advance my, um, you know, career through college and things like that, I, I hope that I can still um, keep that up and expand my research from now on. Okay. And, and as you'll be leaving uh, Northwestern University, I don't know how, when exactly, but after that, um, are you still going to um, be an advocate of sorts, even past uh, Northwestern? Does, does, is this going to be like your profession? Is this your calling? Yeah, I think so. So I think the thing that is very interesting to me right now is um, law and mm -hmm. a lot of, um, you know, legislative things surrounding athletes, sports, things like that. I think things are rapidly changing and, um, you know, for the better. And so I would love to be a part of that. So I think after Northwestern, it would be a lot of, I would love to do research, a lot more, um, you know, formal research on this topic, um, as well as I'm thinking of, you know, um, law school, things like that. So I'm, I'm very excited to see where that takes me. That's great. And it must be also awesome just developing, uh, you know, relationships with people who have faced the same thing like you did. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's really important to network um, and connect with people and have these conversations, because, again, that's where I think the solution is going to come from having conversations about this. And who better to talk to than athletes who have also experienced this? That's great. And you also you also talk with with faculty about it as well. Those in the uh, faculty. Yeah. So um, I haven't really reached out to like, you know, like athletic facility mm -hmm. or faculty. Um, members at all, but I have talked with um, like Northwestern, um, you know, librarians and things like that to kind of help and guide my research. Um, and, and that's what I've been doing. And I think with the work that I've been doing, I've been able to reach a lot of um, coaches within the sport. Um, so a lot of people will come up to me and be like, hey, I read your op-ed. I listened to your podcast. I, you know, watched you present and things like that. And it's just, it's so like gratifying and rewarding to know that my work is paying off and also it's reaching an audience that's not just you know affected athletes it's also coaches who are going to be the ones um making really big um decisions and, and impacts on an athlete's life so it's it's very um important to me um how many hours do you put into a day um you know working as a an advocate 
Does it take a lot of hours? Um, I want to say that because of my college, um, you know, I'm, you know, still a student. I'm still an athlete. It does, um, make my hours quite limited. Um, Mm -hmm. so again, it's taking it day by day, seeing what I can do. Um, but I think recently I've been able to go on a lot of podcasts, write op-eds, you know, things like that. And so I want to say, I've been trying to do a podcast every month or so, or like a, a new opportunity to reach out every month or so. Um, so I've been kind of like working my way to that every, um, you know, every day or so. And so I think, again, it's very slow and um, kind of limited progress for mm-hmm. now. Um, but I think as, you know, I think my ultimate goal is to even just educate one more person about it. Um, it's, I'm not trying to like, you know, it would be awesome if I could, you know, change the minds of a, of a thousand people in a day. But even if, you know, if it's one person listening to a podcast or one person listening to a presentation and they're like, huh, I never thought about that before, then that's a win for me. So again, very small, very small steps with this. No, that's great. You're keeping up the yeah. momentum. So yeah, I got yeah, to give, yeah, give yeah, you yeah. props for that, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's been times where I almost stopped doing it um, uh-huh. for various yeah. reasons. So that's um, I'm, I'm kind of proud of myself for, um, you know, not quitting altogether. Yeah. You know, I must say the same thing for myself. I'm almost like two chapters away from finishing my book and then just stalled for some reason. I don't know. Is it just me being lazy or what? But I need to be like you. I need to, you know, keep going. But, you know, this time around life happens and I slow down and I need to finish this book. People are really looking forward to the book I'm writing. It's like an adventure novel set in the future. You're writing it? Yeah. That's so cool. Oh, my God. Well, you're going to have to tell me, you know, um, about it when you're done with it. Oh, I'll definitely let you in on it. I can look into it. Yeah, that's so awesome. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. And here is the question I want to ask you. What is next for, for you? Um... I think in terms of my athletic career, mm-hmm. um, it's just keep going, um, you know, keep being on my team and, and helping out and things like that. And um, for academics, obviously, keep up my grades, try as much as I can. Um, but I think with this work that I'm doing, there's, again, we just talked about it, so much more to do and so much more that I can um, you know, reach out to. There's a lot of, um, you know, research opportunities for me to do myself um, and studies I can conduct myself. And I have the resources at my disposal, um, you know, thankfully. And so that's kind of, I think, next steps into um, the work that I will be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, just reaching out to a lot of opportunities and really getting um, the word out there just um, one step at a time is going to be my next steps from from now. All right, all yeah. the best. And uh, I'm going to so ask much. like a non-related question here. What is your favorite subject in school? Um, I love English. I am actually an English major, and I have always always loved English. Um, and I think the course that was offered to me in high school that I took for two years in a row, I didn't have to, but I did, um, was creative writing and I loved it. Um, I even taught like a creative writing class in, in high school, um, just kind of like TA in it and I absolutely loved it. So, um, yeah, those are my favorite subjects in school. Oh, that's great. 
Yeah. I'm glad you yeah, didn't so I'm, I'm glad you didn't say math. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a math girl. Um I would say that one of the stereotypes about um, you know, Asian American people is mm-hmm. that math science people and you know, to a certain extent there's a lot of people who are very good at science and math and yeah. you know, kudos to them and that's very cool. Um but I can't do it and I'm <laughs> sort of bad at it. Um and I think I think just English and and creative writing just opens up a lot more um creative freedom for me, which I think is one of the most important things to me. Um you know, I would love to be a math whiz, but unfortunately that's that's not me. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to throw this one in too since I, I've sent this to you on, uh, on message. Uh, so you have a Japanese garden over there in uh, Portland? Yeah, we do. Um, it's it's beautiful. I love it so much. What's and, the name of it? Um, I think it's just called the Portland Japanese Garden. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Um, and it's it's beautiful. And I think they did a great job of making it um, you know look authentic and seem authentic. And I think the one thing that... Um, my parents don't exactly understand what I'm talking about when I say this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm walking around and I'm like, oh my God, wait, it just smelled like Japan just now. And they're like, what do you mean? Like it smelled like Japan. But um, I think the Portland Japanese garden does an excellent job of making it like everything seem authentic, even like the pine tree smell. Um, you know, it, I think it, there's a lot of like pines around that area and uh-huh. it just smells so fresh and, so much like the Japanese air, and I'm not sure if it's like 100% intentional that they did that, but it definitely reminds me of being in Japan, and so it's really cool just to like drive over there and and feel like I am in Japan and kind of like um, teleport for a few hours. Definitely want to check that out one day. Yeah, it's it's beautiful, and I think it's right next to the um, Portland Rose Garden. Uh-huh. We, we are the Rose City, so we take a lot of pride in in that garden as well. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I recommend you check check those both out. Those are wonderful. I'm definitely going to have to Google that. And when you yeah. go to uh, when you go back to Northwestern, yeah, definitely check out um, the Anderson Japanese Garden in Rockford. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Is that like close to Chicago or is that like? Uh, I say it's about maybe less than an hour, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, awesome. No, definitely. I'll, I'll check that out for sure. Have you ever been that way, like towards uh, Gray's Lake and Antioch? Um, any of those sound familiar? I would or love Waukegan. to do that. Not completely. I think the farthest I've been is like downtown Chicago. Oh, okay. Um, so I think, yeah. Um, yeah, with, with my training schedule and all that, it's kind of hard to move around, but... Um, yeah, no, I'll definitely check those out for sure. Um, you know, who knows when I'll be in Chicago for um, like my own, like an internship or research or something like that over the summer. So definitely when there's time, I'll, I'll definitely check that out. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, Megumi, I shall uh, get going as well. Um, you know, you might have to get going too. Just got to take care okay. of, uh, you know, outside errands, got to beat Chicago traffic. You know how that goes. So, no, I get you. I get trying you. Trying to be uh, <laughs> trying to be ahead of the game here before uh, no, it starts sure. getting really bad by three o'clock. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me. This has been such an honor. Oh yeah. Thanks for thanks for being my guest today. You know, I appreciate you. You know, keep up the good work and 
looking out for all the athletes out there you know yeah, take care you, so you know um, keep up the good work in your in your academics show what you're made of yeah don't <laughs> let nothing take your confidence level away no don't let don't thank anyone you so take much thank you that means a lot all right, so she is Megami Oishi. She is she was my guest today, and uh, yeah, she is amazing. So hopefully, we'll have her again soon for another episode, and we'll probably uh, do a follow up episode in the times to come. But I appreciate you again for stopping by, ladies and gentlemen. Again, she is Megami Oishi. I'm glad to have had her on the show. So guys, take it easy. Have a good week, and for those kids out there that just went to school, have a wonderful school year. All right. So take care, everyone, and you take care as well, Megami. Thank you so much. You too.